0: Stress, part two, how to stop being stressed by stress. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you had a wonderful week. Um, Again, thank you to everyone who's left a review, and I'd love you to go on and leave a review if you enjoy listening to this podcast. It helps the podcast grow. This is the second part of our stress series. Part one talked about the power of thinking about stress differently. We discussed some of the amazing biological and emotional benefits of stress and how stress can actually be a hero, not the villain we make it out to be. In this part of the podcast, we will apply some of the principles and others in order to learn more specifically how to perceive stress differently so we can stop being stressed by stress. A couple of years ago, I traveled to India with some friends. We visited Krishna's Butterball, which is a giant boulder that stands balanced on an inclined rock bed. The boulder is enormous. It's 6 meters high, 5 meters wide, and weighs about 250 tons. I could stand completely under it, and it would still tower over me. Stories are told of kings and governors using many elephants to move it with no luck. Rumor says it's been in the same place for 1,200 years. The rock is so large that a human just pales in comparison. I took a humorous picture of me under the rock that looks like I'm hopelessly trying to move this gigantic rock. Sometimes our problems can feel a lot like Krishna's butterball. They feel large and impossible and difficult to change. We don't feel like we have the time and energy and resources or ability to solve them. This is what causes stress. When our problems feel like they exceed our ability to solve them. There are times when this is actually the case. The stressor is so large that we cannot meet it without help. When this is the case, it is important to slow down and address the issue. At times, we may need to change the problem or get some more support. I will address how to differentiate between distress and eustress at the end of the podcast. However, most of the time when we are stressed, we are not in distress, even when we think we are. We suffer feeling more stress than necessary because of one of three things. Number one, we perceive the problem to be bigger than it really is. Number two, we perceive that we don't have enough resources to meet the stressor. And number three, we perceive that the stress itself is a problem. We're gonna be discussing how to address each of these components so that we can stop stressing about stress unnecessarily. Number one, bring the problem down to its actual size. We usually think about a problem through the filter of our beliefs about it. This often causes the problem to seem much larger and more challenging than it actually is. Going back to our analogy of Krishna's butterball, we might see a gigantic boulder when really it is a smaller, more movable rock. There are many filters that can cause us to distort the way that we see things. I will address many of them in upcoming podcasts. However, let me demonstrate how filters work so that you can see how they distort our image of stress. Sometimes we feel stressed when we tell ourselves that something is black or white. It has to be one way or the other. We're either good or not good. Let me give you an example from one of my clients. One expat woman told me that her boss expected her to do more than she thought was fair. She felt like the only options she had were to either quit or to do what the boss expected, which was more than she felt like she could do. And she was exhausted. This decision was causing her a lot of stress. However, as we talked about it, she realized that maybe it did not have to be all or nothing. She didn't have to quit or just do what her boss expected. She realized she had many options. She realized she could negotiate with her boss about her salary and job responsibilities, or she could get creative with how she managed her day. As she realized that it didn't have to be one or the other, her stress went down significantly. Her all or nothing thinking caused her stress to feel bigger. When she saw that there were more than two options, her stress felt much less daunting. Another way that stressors are sometimes amplified in our mind is when we take the current reality and we awfulize it into the future. We jump to conclusions about what will happen based on what is happening now. One time I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. When I got to the bathroom, I couldn't see out of one of my eyes. I thought at first maybe it was just blurry from sleeping. I blinked it, I rubbed it, and then I washed it out. I still couldn't see. In my half-awake state, I started to wonder if I had a serious eye condition. Maybe I had cancer or glaucoma. Before I got back in bed, I was sweating with panic. I'd already started planning for how I'd need to learn braille and get a guide dog because I thought I was going blind. Turns out, in the morning, I had pink eye. I simply had a film over my eye that was causing it to become blurry. With a few antibiotic drops, it went away. I had caused myself so much unnecessary stress by projecting terrible things into the future. Jumping to conclusions often makes the problem more overwhelming to deal with than it really is. When I was able to bring the problem of my eye blurriness back to the current, I could look at the facts and I could deal with it. I could see that it was just pink eye and I could get some antibiotic treatment. Another example of how we might mistakenly project a problem to be bigger than it really is might be our unrealistic expectations. We may be comparing ourselves or others to a standard that simply isn't possible or fair. A big clue that we are doing this is the use of the word should. One of the most common times I notice stress cropping up in my mind with this filter is my expectations for my kids. Even though I know kids are learning and at different developmental levels, at times I forget and I find myself expecting them to be little adults. The other day at the table, one child was scraping the bottom of her plate with her finger. The other child was putting food she didn't like on the tablecloth to get off her plate, and another child was talking with her mouth open. I could feel my stress levels rising as I watched my kids. In my mind, I was thinking, they should be using good manners. My husband and I have taught them manners, but the truth is it takes many times of practicing to learn to use manners consistently. And let's be honest. Three of my children are still in elementary school. It's probably pretty normal for them not to have manners figured out yet. This doesn't mean I like the way that they're not using manners, or that I'm going to stop teaching them about manners. However, when I remind myself that it's normal for kids not to practice manners perfectly, I can reframe my stress as something normal and solvable, rather than some terrible defiance by my children or a terrible failure of mothering like it's so often to slip into believing there are many more filters these are just a few but hopefully it gives you a feel for how our thinking can distort our stress and make it look bigger than it really is one way to bring the problem back to a more realistic size is to strip the problem down to the facts this can help us see the challenge in a much more manageable way I will be talking about this more in detail in a future podcast, but for now, try to remember your third grade curriculum where your teacher had you sort out the difference between fact and opinion. This is a valuable practice to use on your own brain. Pretend you're a journalist and you are looking for just the facts of the case. What are the details that everyone would agree on? In the case of my eye, for example, the fact was I could not see very well out of one of my eyes. The idea that I might go blind is not a fact, it's an opinion. The fact in the situation with my client's boss was that her boss had asked her to do a certain amount of things. Whether or not it was fair was an opinion, and whether or not she had to quit to get out of it was also an opinion. The facts at my dinner table was that one daughter was rubbing her plate with her finger and licking it, and another child was talking with her mouth full. The thought they should have manners was an opinion. Do you see the difference? Once you tease out what are facts and what are opinions, it allows you to look at just the facts. Boiling it down to the facts allows you to remove some of the filters and see the stressor as it really is, without all the added stress that your thoughts add to it. So in summary, the first way that we can stop stressing so much about stress is to look and see if we are perceiving the stressor accurately. This is actually one of the things that coaching does. It helps us see outside perspectives that are hard to see. It helps us separate out what are facts and what are opinions. Because sometimes it is very hard to see that some of our important beliefs are opinions. They feel like facts. I still get coached on things to get a different perspective sometimes. And often I have huge breakthroughs that I was blinded to by my own thinking. The second way to stop stressing about stress is to size ourselves up. Perhaps we do have an accurate view of the problem, but maybe we are underestimating our own abilities or resources to deal with the problem. One way I often see this happen is when we make assumptions about our abilities or our experience based on social norms or common beliefs. For example, when we lived in Ecuador, we lived in the same building with some retired expat couples. According to studies, it is increasingly hard to learn a new language as you age. It was interesting to watch one couple who just accepted that as fact. They didn't even try to learn much Spanish. And as a result, they often felt stressed without having the language to get around. Another couple who I might have expected would have even less likelihood of learning the language totally disregarded this study and dug into learning the language. They decided... What if it is possible? It was slow and imperfect, but they gradually got better and better. Instead of feeling like the challenge was too daunting because of their age, they assumed that it might be possible. And amazingly, it was. Isn't it fascinating that our cultural norm, studies, and expectations could cause us to doubt our own abilities? I love the idea of shifting from I can't into what if it's possible that I could? Another reason that we underestimate ourselves in our ability to deal with stress is that we discount our positives and emphasize the negatives in our minds. One of my clients was feeling a lot of stress from mom guilt. She worked from home, but she felt guilty about being busy instead of being more present with her young son. Given her financial situation, she felt it was important that she keep working. As we discussed the situation, it became evident that in her mental accounting, She was only giving herself credit for how she wasn't focused on her son during her work hours, and she wasn't accounting for all that she was doing for her son. She was providing for her family by working, obviously an important thing for her son. She wasn't thinking about how she had chosen to work from home so that she could be with her son and so she didn't have to take him somewhere else. She wasn't thinking about all she was doing for him by playing with him and taking him out when she wasn't working. As she began to get a clearer picture of the positives, it shifted her perception of her ability to deal with the challenge. Suddenly, the guilt and anxiety she was feeling lessened because she realized she actually was doing a lot better than she thought. She simply had to consider all of the details, not just the negative ones. One of the huge limiting beliefs I see in people who feel stressed is the belief that I don't know how. We think because we haven't done something before or because we can't think of a way to do it right this second that we'll never be able to deal with the stressor. Ironically, this thought keeps us from taking action. The belief that we don't know is often self-fulfilling. We assume we can't solve it, so we don't even try. Being willing to consider the fact that we can figure it out and being open to new possibilities can make all the difference. One time when my parents were in a tighter financial time, we had a problem with a sink in our bathroom. They didn't really have the money to buy a new one, but they needed one. My mom easily could have thought, I don't know how to solve this. There's no way to get a sink because I just don't have the money. I'm sure she did have that thought at first, but then she put on her walking shoes, literally, and started thinking creatively. One day, she was out walking and she saw someone had thrown away an old sink. She thought it might be worth trying to see if it fit. She asked the neighbor if she could take it and they agreed. Amazingly, the sink fit. My guess is she wasn't expecting to find a sink in the garbage, but just being willing to keep her mind open, she was able to find possibilities and solve the problem. One very simple way that we can increase our perception of our resources is simply to ask ourselves, what resources do I have to deal with this problem? Questions are very powerful. When we ask the mind a question, it goes to work immediately to try to answer it. Physically writing down the answers can be important in actually proving to our brains that we have more ability, ideas, talent, and energy to deal with the problem than we thought we did. The last way I'm going to cover today that we can stop stressing about stress is to change the way that we think about stress itself. In the last podcast, we discussed some of the amazing benefits of stress, including increased speed Increased creativity and mental acuity, increased immunity, increased desire to connect, increased confidence and perspective. Just reminding ourselves of the powerful biological and emotional benefits of stress can really give us a boost. This may sound like the most simple part of not stressing about stress, but sometimes the most simple things have the most profound effect. Even if we can't see how to perceive our stressor or our resources to meet it differently, we can see the stress itself as a benefit. As Kelly McGonigal points out, stress only has a negative impact on us when we believe it is a problem. In addition to thinking about the generalized biological and emotional benefits of stress, often the specific stress we are experiencing can be beneficial. One very simple way to do this is to simply ask yourself, how might this stress be beneficial? List the reasons on paper. You might be surprised at what you find. Let me give you a simple example of this as an expat family that moves every few years, stuff has often been stressful. Every time we move, we have to go through things, pack things, unpack things, find a place for things in our new house. And I can remember many late nights going through things, purging things, trying to keep our shipment underweight, trying to find a place for the things we were giving away. This was definitely stressful thinking of my stuff and the fact that I had to go through it all as a problem caused my stress to increase. I began to feel irritated, frustrated, and overwhelmed. However, when I stopped and asked myself, what is the benefit of this stress? I was surprised to realize that there were several. Seeing all that we buy and accumulate and don't use and have to get rid of over and over has helped me realize that I really don't need a lot of the things that we think we need. I've become less interested in buying things and accumulating. And Interestingly, I've become less attached to things themselves on a more practical level. I've realized it's a huge benefit to be forced to go through things regularly rather than let things go and build up and have to deal with storing and cleaning unnecessary items. Before we finish, I want to address an important caveat. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there are stressors, which really do exceed our ability to meet them. While changing our perception of stress is always helpful, at times it is insufficient. We need to know how to differentiate between when a stressor really is too big for us to handle versus when stress is just unpleasant. Scientists call the kind of stress that really does overwhelm us distress. Distress often occurs when a stressor is chronic, repeated, lasts a long time, or the nature of it is so intense or traumatic that it often involves multiple aspects of our lives— such as moving, losing a job, being the recipient of a violent crime, divorce, death of a loved one, and many more. In contrast, everyday type of stress is called eustress. It is often a single event, it's shorter in duration, and it's lower in intensity. It challenges us, but it does not exceed our ability to handle it. In order to help yourself differentiate between distress and eustress, let me offer a few key differences. One factor that can help us determine the difference is duration. For example, someone saying something critical to me one time is a very different kind of stress than being constantly barraged with criticism by a spouse or a boss, for example. Our ability to handle the stress is largely affected by how long it goes on. Imagine a glass of water, even fully filled up it's not very heavy. However, the amount of time that I hold a glass of water with my arm will determine its impact on me. If I hold it for a minute, it's fine. If I hold it for an hour, I will be very tired. And if I hold it for an entire day, you might even have to call the ambulance. Stress affects us more the longer it goes on. One expat mom had dealt with mild to moderate depression for several years. For a while, she was able to maintain a fairly good mental state through exercise and nutrition. But finally, after many years of dealing with stress, she found that she wasn't coping well. She was discouraged. She was crying a lot. She was irritable with her family. She felt like everything felt too hard and too big. It had gone on too long and become too heavy. She needed to bring in more resources to help alleviate the depression so she could function better. Finally, she was able to get some outside help and get some medication and do some counseling and coaching to manage it. In this case, she was able to reduce the stressor a bit to a point that she could begin to manage it. A second indicator that can help us determine if something is distress or eustress is intensity. For example, being in a fender bender is a very different level of stress than you causing an accident that totals your car and puts someone in the hospital. If we go back to the cup analogy, let's assume in this case that the empty cup represents our capacity to handle stress. When it's empty, we have the most capacity to function. As we experience stress, the cup fills up with water. If there are too many small stressors, or if the impact of one stressor is too much, our cup overflows. An overflowing cup means we have exceeded our capacity to function optimally because the stress is just too much. We are using all of our capacity just to manage the stress, And there isn't much left over so we have to shift into survival mode one of my clients had a spouse who was unfaithful the stress and betrayal associated with this experience was so overwhelming that she found herself having panic attacks and being triggered frequently at one point the intensity of the overwhelm was so great she didn't want to even get out of bed in the morning the intensity of the stressor exceeded her resources to handle it as well as handle other things in her life When we aren't functioning well in multiple areas of our life, it's often an important indicator that we need outside help. She sought professional help in order to learn how to deal with her trauma. In this case, she was able to increase her resources to deal with it by getting outside help. Stress can be an important indicator for us. If the stress is affecting our ability to function, it's a good indication that it's probably distress and we may need to slow down and find a way to alleviate the problem or increase our capacity to deal with it. Otherwise, we become depleted. Regardless of the intensity or duration of the stress, the way that we think about stress matters. As we discussed in Part 1, when we see stress as the hero rather than the villain, we are able to minimize the impact of stress on us. Thinking positively about stress allows us to feel more empowered and capable. If we go back to the cup analogy, the way that we think about stress literally helps us expand our capacity to deal with it. Believing that stress can be beneficial, even with distress, is like getting a bigger cup. It's like we see our rock as smaller and our resources as larger. With distress, however, we also need to take actions to reduce stress and increase our capability to deal with it it's important to differentiate when we are in distress so we can address the needed factors. The client I mentioned who was struggling with infidelity in her marriage found that extra resources allowed her to learn how to deal with triggers and trust issues. In coaching, she was able to shift her thinking about the stress, not just as something terrible, but this infidelity might potentially make her marriage better by forcing them to work through things and communicate honestly. It allowed her to feel a lot more hopeful, especially during very difficult times. She was able to see the stress as potentially beneficial. However, because it was distress, she also needed resources to deal with the trauma. If you find that you are in distress, it's important to get the necessary outside resources to meet the stressor. The majority of our day-to-day stress is eustress. It's stress that challenges us, but doesn't exceed our capacity to deal with it. It doesn't cause our cups to overflow, metaphorically speaking. It does fill our cups partway. And, but this kind of stress can actually be helpful. It helps us grow and progress and get stronger. Stress is harmful if we believe it is. When we stress about stress and think it's a huge problem, we add more stress to our stress. When we make friends with stress and realize stress can be beneficial... We not only keep our stress at a more manageable level, but we benefit from the positive benefits of stress. Problems in our lives only have the power to overwhelm us if we don't see them and ourselves accurately. When we fix our perceptions, we are often able to come up with solutions and carry them out. Sometimes that means we change our circumstance. Sometimes the problem is simply solved by changing the way that we think about it, which in turn changes the way that we feel about it. And when we feel better, Sometimes there is nothing else that needs to change. Essentially, when we size down the problem and size up our abilities, we make the problem something manageable. Instead of looking like Krishna's butterball, it appears like a large but movable rock. When we see our problems this way, we have the courage to take them on. I love the example of my great-grandmother Genevieve Rain Curtis. She was a strong woman. She had 10 children. After being told by a doctor... That she would never ever be able to have children. She and her husband created a successful coal business after losing everything in a previous business venture. And she was the first woman elected to the Salt Lake City School Board, despite opposition from many due to her gender. When Genevieve felt the problem was getting the best of her, she would stand in front of the mirror and ask herself, who's stronger, me or the problem? Then she would square her shoulders on her tiny 90 pound frame, lift up her chin and declare, I am. And then she moved forward to solve the problem. Here's a recap of the three questions you can ask yourself to help you size up yourself and decide who's stronger, you or the problem. Number one, is this stress smaller than I perceive it to be? Number two, is my ability to deal with it larger than I originally thought? Number three, is this stress possibly beneficial to me? As you answer these questions, you can better look yourself in the mirror and declare that you are stronger than the problem. If you'd like help changing the way that you perceive stress, I would love to help. Sign up for a free 30-minute coaching session on my website, The Expat Mom. We'll see you next time. If you'd like help applying the tools you're learning on this podcast, sign up for a free private 30-minute mini coaching session on any topic you'd like help on. You can schedule it on my website, theexpatmom.com forward slash schedule. Also, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find it. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.